0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Billboard Chappie Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. And continuing our four-part look at the biggest Hot 100 hits all time, 1958 to 2018. It's the Billboard Hot 100's 60th anniversary. Uh, first two uh, episodes, we've gone from numbers 100 to 76, and then 75 to 51. So, making our way up uh, 25 songs at a time. Uh, kind of interesting, Trevor, the date that this is, uh, hopefully posting on, uh, we're taping this on Tuesday the 14th, but plan to post on the 16th, a really historic day in music history, It's Madonna's birthday, Madonna turned 60, so happy birthday, Madonna. Interesting for 1958, that's when Madonna was born, so uh, the Hot 100 started August 4th, 1958, Madonna was born August 16th, 1958, and Michael Jackson was born August 29th, 1958, so August 1958 gave us the Hot 100, Madonna, and Michael Jackson. (laughs) <laughs> uh you ranking those in order of importance uh, chronological okay all right fair all right let's uh, just keep going from uh what we started so far uh, halfway through the countdown uh, we've heard from some guests to ed sheeran's uh, brother matt talking about perfect that was back uh, in the 90s on the countdown. Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys. we heard from him, uh, other guests. So uh, we'll keep doing that, too, as well as we uh, go forward. We're going to hear from Jackie Jackson of the Jackson 5, talking about Michael Jackson, uh, speaking of Michael Jackson this week, uh, coming up on the podcast, and more guests uh, next week as well. So let's keep going here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast, kicking things off at number 50. Let's go from number 50 to number 46.
0: It's hard to look right at your baby.
2: But it's all in the game,
0: all in the
3: And we officially enter the second half of the countdown, numbers 50 through 46 of the top 100 hits on the Billboard Hot 100 of all time, coming in right then at number 50. You guys heard Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen, a perennial millennial favorite, number one in, Wait, wait, this song hit number one in June 2012, Yeah, like I knew it was 2012, but for some reason I felt like this song was way bigger before June that dang I feel like it was kind of late because i know like when i went to college like spring break that's when that's when the songs blew up in like march america was slow to catch on college campuses were ahead of the curve on this one
1: where was spring break that
3: year? spring break was in jamaica oh. so that that was the thing for yeah it was so the thing that the, the thing for me because because we went out of the country there's a group of us who went out of the country so that was the thing like it was not a song when we left the country and we were off the grid for like a week And we came back and like everybody had their videos and their road trips and everything. And that was the soundtrack to all of it. So we were like, what the hell do we like? What the hell do we
1: miss? What is this? You came back to a totally different place. Uh,
3: And and some would argue that it has never been the same since. Sort of the underappreciated queen of of pop music um, that still has this wildly huge commanding fan base. Like she played Lollapalooza recently and like huge crowd, of course, and... Carly Ray to this day, still a pop fan favorite. Alright, number 49, just above Carly Ray Jepsen, we got Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. Number one, uh, back in 1978, and if you know Andy Gibb, you probably also know his three other brothers, Barry Maurice Robin, better known as the Bee Gees. Bee Gees, of course, standing for Brothers Gibb. So kind of this weird situation, this uh, Jackson-esque kind of thing where you have two acts who come out of the same household but are not, like, formed together initially. Right. So, uh, you know, kind of like how, you know, like obviously the Jackson 5 were one thing and, like, Janet later became uh, a huge megastar in her own right and even some of the other Jackson children, of course, really all the Jackson children have recorded at some point or another. Uh, but it makes you kind of wonder, like, what was going on where, like, Andy was not... A BG, and I guess Cap, it,
1: capital BG. He was he was a well bro- he was a, yeah, he was by, a by definition Gim, right, right yeah.
3: But why he is not a part of the the almighty disco trio? Um, really, looks like Andy was just a little too young. His brothers were already uh, had formed the the group by the late sixties. Andy was born just in nineteen fifty eight. So I mean when the B, when the BGs really were even hitting number one in the U.S. in nineteen seventy one, Andy would have been only about 12 or 13, so right. way too young to be you know, involved in that life and, and recording and probably still in school and all those things. Um, but by 1978, you're talking about a huge year for the entire Gibb family. Bee Gees taking some of those Saturday Night Fever cuts to number one, Andy number one twice that year with uh, Shadow Dancing, and I Just Want to Be Your Everything. And fun fact for you Hot 100 uh, chart fans out there, Shadow dancing Andy Gibb, when it hits number one in 1978, makes him the first solo artist to have his first three songs on the Hot 100 all go to number one. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, now nowadays, Mariah Carey has that record, but in 1978,
1: Andy Gibb was the breakthrough kid. Yeah, you talk about uh, having hits that young. Kind of interesting. Is that Michael Jackson was actually, uh, he was basically fronting the Jackson Five when he was uh, even younger than that. So, basically, yeah. Yeah, entirely. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So he actually was uh, uh, really precocious, but uh, that's kind of crazy to think that he was doing that at eleven, twelve years old. So certainly not the norm. All right. Actually, not the
3: only time we're going to hear from Mister Gibb in this countdown. We will see Andy once again a little later. All right. Number forty-eight, right above them, uh, another pretty famous band in the world. You may know them as the Beatles. It is. I want to hold your hand. that was I know that was a, my horrible English accent. Please forgive me, Paul, John, Ringo. You, you go to England sometime. You think you have done you a little you think, bit better than you that. I think I would pick it up. its It's been a while. I'm a little rusty. Spent some more time in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to make my way a little north. But, uh, of course, number 48, the song that really kicked it all off for them in the United States, I Wanna Hold Your Hand, number one, seven weeks back in 1964, the first of the still record... 20 number one hits by the Beatles on the Hot 100, something that nobody, no matter how hard they tried, has been able to match. As this is our first mention of the Fab Four, we should take some time to note that it should be no surprise to anybody in world history that the Beatles are also the top artist of all time on the Hot 100. Of course, having 20 number ones, definitely helps your cause and uh real quick if you're wondering who else makes the cut so this is an accumulation of all an artist chart history put together so th- these are just the biggest acts all time number 10 uh real quick rihanna so rihanna already number 10 of course nowhere near through with her recording career so she's still got some room to grow but um, just in a little over a decade already racked up enough hits 14 number ones among
1: them, landing her in 10th place all time. Yeah, kind of interesting. The Beatles were a band uh, really uh, on the charts in the U.S. From 64 to 1970. So their uh, U.S. Uh, charts been only, only six years. Rihanna's been around for a little over a decade. So sometimes you get these superstar acts who just pack in a whole uh, bunch of hits in a pretty quick span. And some
3: familiar names coming up. Uh, number nine, we got Whitney Houston. Um, of course, uh, 11 number ones helping her out there, including the eternal I Will Always Love You. So Whitney at number nine, just above Rihanna. Number eight, we got Michael Jackson. So, of course, the king of pop. Multi-decade career there. 13 number ones, which is still the most by any male artist on the chart. And right above Michael at number seven, we got Little Sis Janet. So Janet just barely edges Michael. Um, a lot of that, of course, having to do with... with an incredible streak of longevity that Janet had, including 18 consecutive top 10 hits going from uh, just at the end of the 1980s all the way nearly to the end of the 1990s. So, I mean, the 90s were a massive, massive time for Janet. We all, of course, know seven top fives off nation and, and all those achievements. So they land her at number seven. Number six, we got Stevie Wonder. Uh, again, just as with most of these artists, it's just really an exercise in longevity who's been able to sustain such a high performing career for so long stevie wonder uh 10 number one hits on the hot 100 to his credit
1: um, among plenty of other accolades so basically you're saying we're gonna know all these 10 names there's no surprises
3: yeah i mean unlike i guess the songs list where some people may you know some songs that may have been one hit wonders or or just some songs that have fallen by the wayside into the culture when you add up an artist's whole career together these names are icons for a reason. Right. And number five, uh, Mariah Carey coming in, 18 number ones. That is second, of course, only to the Beatles. Number four, Elvis Presley. So even though he kind of gets cut short with his career having come before the Hot 100, still did enough damage once the chart came in uh, in 1958 to land in the number four spot. I'm sure the Elvis fans will rue Rue the timing of the Hot 100, as yeah. they as they always will. But, well, you know, he, if nothing
1: else. He inspired the Hot 100 in, in many ways. If his success hadn't happened, there's probably a good chance uh, the Hot 100 doesn't happen uh, a couple of years later. Well. Hot take. That's a scorching take. Yeah. Number three, the highest
3: male artist we'll see here is uh, Elton John. Again, just one of those guys. Number one hits as far back as the 70s, going all the way, of course, through uh, the late 1990s with the, the Kindle and the Wind tribute, of course, with, with Princess Diana. To, you know, Take that, Drake. And, can Drake last 30 years?
1: Come Ooh. back in the 2039, find
3: out? Uh, yeah, and I'm sure I'll probably be like, I'm sure knowing my luck, I'll be like, this clip will be sampled. Can Drake last 30 years? And then like that'll be the opening bar and I get
1: ripped off. Just play it for me. Really loud, then, so I hear it. <laughs> yeah, Gary will be. Who, Gary, how old are you going to be then? Yeah, just just visit once in a while. All
3: right, number two in the runner up spot, silver medal goes to Madonna, uh, the most top tens of any artist in Hot 100 history, standing currently at 38. So, uh, kind of nice you got the act, if you kind of line it up, the act with a consecutive top 40 streak, most top tens, and of course, coming in at number one, the guys with the most number ones. That is, uh, once again, the Beatles. So a nice, clean 20 number ones, all between 64 and 70. So they were adding them at a rapid, rapid pace. But yes, uh, the Beatles, wrapping up um, a quick sort of segue into the top 10 hot 100 artists of all time. If you want to see the full list of all top 100 from the Beatles all the way down, be sure to check out Billboard.com. It's all there. All right, back into the countdown at number 47. We got the song It's All in the Game by Tommy Edwards. Uh, number one hit back in 1958, September 29th, 1958. So really just under two months since the Hot 100 began. Also, uh, Mr. Edwards making history as the first black artist to top the Hot 100. So, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't Supremes, wasn't Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. It was Tommy Edwards. Yeah, Probably.
1: Probably good trivia questions a lot of people uh, wouldn't get, you might think. Yeah, Ray Charles.
3: All right, and number 46, wrapping us up with these first five songs, we got Don featuring Tony Orlando. And what a title this one is. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. That would not pass any marketing test today. Not a good hashtag. No, not, especially when we had the 140 character limit. That's, that's half the game right there. But uh, number one hit in 1973 for them. All right, we're going to keep things going. Let's keep rolling. We are at number 45. Here's 45 through 41 of the top 100 hits on the Hot 100. Let's go.
0: Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. And this is how you remind me. This is how you remind me. This is how you remind me. down
1: 45 through 41 on the Billboard Hot 100, all-time, the biggest hits in the charts, 60-year history, kind of like we went back in time, uh, exactly, with every song. Started in 2001, wound up back in uh, 1973 with those five songs. Uh, Nickelback with How You Remind Me, their breakout hit, four weeks at number one, starting in December 2001. Uh, Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, Say, 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 number one uh, for six weeks, starting in December 1983. And when you think about it, uh, how big, Paul McCartney obviously had been with uh, the Beatles, and Michael Jackson had a success with the Jackson Five. This was uh, just as uh, Thriller was uh, in the middle of all the hits. This is after uh, Billy Jean and Beat it had been hits, right in the middle of, of Thriller. So, uh, just two of the all-time biggest acts. Uh, you might think, well, obviously it was going to be number one, but you still have to have a good song for it to be a number one song on the Hot 100. So, isn't it just automatic that Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson? out a song have a number 1 hit that actually didn't happen once oh no. That's a little clip of Madonna and Prince. So her album, Like a Prayer, 1989, if it just came out and you just looked at it, and this is in a pre-streaming era where you didn't know what all the songs sounded like, you basically bought an album on faith. You might look at the track list and, and see that there's a Prince and Madonna duet uh, on there, and there were uh, four top tens from Like a Prayer, a fifth top twenty hit. So uh, if you didn't know anything about the album, you're just looking at the songs and the the list of who's on there, you might think, well, well, obviously it's 1989. Madonna and Prince are going to have a huge, maybe a number one hit, uh love song that they co wrote it, co produced it. It was never a single, so never even had the chance back then when you really had to be a single to be uh, any kind of a hit, but. It's a weird, it's a weird artsy kind of a song. If you if you listen to what the singles are for, like a prayer, express yourself, cherish, uh, oh father, and keep it together, it's kind of hard to actually say this. This should have been a single before any of those. Madonna, Prince at the
3: height of their powers in the eighties. It's yeah something that you would think is a little should be a little more
1: not even sort of a cult classic kind of thing. It really just feels like. Do people even know yeah, this? Yeah, it's it? it's really, it's really lost. And, you know, there's even, there's even other songs on Like a Prayer that I think are even much better. Dear Jesse is a song, Till Death to Us Part. Uh, so, yeah, uh, again, shows uh, that Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, more than than just the billing. And obviously this was uh, a year after uh, The Girl Is Mine, which got to number two. So this one uh, took them all the way to number one for six weeks. Uh, say, say, say. Yeah. Number 43, All Time. Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Three weeks, at number one in nineteen eighty as their second number one of the year after a crazy little thing called Love was a number one for four weeks, uh, moving up to number forty-two. Uh, keep talking about the Bee Gees and Andy Gibb. This this was his brothers, uh, Bee Gees, and Night Fever. Not sure uh, people might think this was actually their longest running number one hit, eight weeks at number one in nineteen seventy-eight. It was their uh, sixth of nine number ones, uh, and yeah, their longest leading number one, driven uh, in large part by. Uh, the popularity of the Saturday night fever soundtrack is the third number one from the album. So they were just on such a roll at that point, which uh, you might think staying alive was sort of a more iconic song maybe, but uh, they built on the momentum of that. This one, uh, two months at number one, eight weeks. So uh, finishes at number 42 and at number 41, let's get it on Marvin Gaye, uh, his second of three number ones for two weeks, 1973. If uh, you maybe uh, know it more, uh, more recently, from uh, the lawsuit, uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, thinking out loud, it was uh, brought up that it kind of sounded like that. Although it was thrown out, so Ed Sheeran didn't have to defend whether it sounded like that. But part of the history, kind of interesting song that uh, can be out forty years later, kind of takes on a whole new life in pop culture. because Someone uh, does something new that uh, brings it back. What is the third number one? Sort of related uh, on that topic. Got to give it up. Got to give it. Which up. Uh, sort of turned into blurred lines.
3: Got to give it up. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So that one, Marvin Gaye's estate did win. Uh, so uh, talking about uh, Michael Jackson before, Paul McCartney, who, last year we had Jackie Jackson from the Jackson 5 on the podcast. And we were talking about uh, those early days. And This is kind of interesting, Trevor, too. You're talking about how uh, Andy Gibb wasn't in the Bee Gees because he was too young. But uh, Michael Jackson was really young. and uh, His older brothers in the Jackson 5 realized that well, maybe there is something there and maybe we should put him in the Jackson 5.
2: Michael would grab these Quaker Oatmeal boxes, you know, the Quaker Oatmeal boxes, he would use those like bungos. and he would play those in front of our face while we were, you know, doing our set, and we said, God, this guy can play these Quaker Oatmeal boxes, you know, and uh, we put him in the group, you know, and and all of a sudden he started doing this James Brown type of dance, he was doing the James Brown, him and Marlon both, and we said, well, wait a minute, (laughs) I think we got something here, these little guys can dance and everything, so... So, so we put him in the group and people just loved him, you know. Cause, uh, he was doing the James Brown and Marlon was doing the James Brown spinning and doing splits on the floor, and and it, it was very exciting. I mean, it's something that we can use in our in our band. And we started doing talent shows around town and like here in Indiana, and and, and guys like Earth, Moon Fire was on the show and different artists like that, you know. and... And uh, we would always win first prize. You know, we win contests all the time and played a lot of weddings around the neighborhood. And, and we just kept going from there.
1: I don't think I've ever heard that uh, Quaker oatmeal is, uh, <laughs> is what's responsible for giving oh, us Michael yeah. Jackson. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so without Elvis, no Hot 100. Without the Quaker Oats man, no Michael Jackson. Huh? All right. Let's keep going. We are at the top 40, which is a nice hallmark on the Hot 100. So moving into the top 40 songs of all time, we've got 40 through 36. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f***
0: are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" down the mighty mississippi we took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we caught the bloody british in a town in new orleans we fired our guns and the british kept a coming there wasn't as many as there was a while ago we fired once more and they began to run it on down the mississippi to the gulf of mexico toss and turn on. i kicked the blankets on the floor turn my
3: Right, in the last two segments, we actually talked about Paul McCartney in uh, different iterations. We had the Beatles back at 48. I want to hold your hand. We had Paul McCartney himself in a duet with Michael Jackson, number 44, Say, Say, Say. How about one more version of Paul McCartney that is going to be in Wings, which comes in at number 40 with the song Silly Love Songs, which was a number one hit back in 1976. Of course, Wings being the band that he founded, uh, with his wife Linda, after the Beatles, so um, didn't stay didn't stay too too unemployed for long. Paul McCartney once the Beatles broke up, and uh, obviously went on to continue to have massive success in so many different ways. So much so that we're seeing really kind of a nice snapshot of Paul McCartney's career just in this short
1: time as well. This was a dig at critics too for saying uh, he did silly love songs.
3: Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift, yeah. the blank space of its time. All right, number thirty nine, we got a favorite pair of australians savage garden with the song truly madly deeply a number one hit in 1998 one of two number one hits in their career also of course the song i knew i loved you all right uh number 38 we've got sort of one of the most famous songs probably ever associated with the hot 100 that is one sweet day mariah carey boys to men which uh, for the longest time really which is just over 21 years had the record for the most weeks at number one in Hot 100 history of any song. So it topped the uh, weekly edition of the chart for 16 weeks, starting in late 95 all the way through the early part of 1996. Um, obviously, a massive duet between two of the biggest acts on the planet at the time. So I guess in a weird way to sort of counter Gary's argument about Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson in the last segment, feels like it was kind of a no-brainer that a Mariah and boys to Men song was going to be a massive number one hit at the time.
1: Well, Unlike Prince and Madonna, it, it was a single.
3: Well, yes, it, it certainly was a single. Yeah. Um, of course, Mariah had been adding so many number ones to her tally at the time. Boys to Men didn't have as many number ones, but their number ones stayed at the top of the chart for so long. Then at 13 weeks into the road, 14, I'll Make Love to You. So I guess you kind of bring those, those two things together. It's a number one debut, which kind of is Mariah's quickness at work there, and then it stays at 16 weeks, which is sort of the boys' longevity, so uh, best of both worlds that
1: they got there. Yeah, it was never uh, surprising to me that it uh, was such a big hit at the time, because uh, yeah, right in that uh, sweet spot of their success in uh, 1995, uh, it's exactly what you would have expected, and uh, Mariah's uh, typical great vocals, boys to men's harmonies, so uh, emotional uh, lyrics, it all came together. Uh, yeah, not, not surprising at all to me. Uh, Now,
3: one thing that might be surprising to some people is how does the song that has the most weeks at number one rank? Uh, Surprisingly, maybe a little low for what people would have expected at number 38. So, of course, this chart is tracking hits on the chart. So kind of in a weird way, maybe debuting at number one. Most songs, of course, start somewhere on the bottom of the chart, work their way up and then slide back down. So, of course, in a weird way, for this song to have debuted at number one, it was instantly that popular that it really sort of lost any time it had to build up on the chart, gain some of those weeks, gain some of those points um, before it got to the top. So, really, its chart life may have, in a way, been kind of cut in half, you yeah, could say, yeah. um, by starting at the top. Of course, 16 weeks at number one, still massive enough in points. And then it sort of started to fall apart pretty quickly after it left uh, the number one spot. It went from number one to number five and then just sort of trickle down the chart as well. So um, just based off of that run of performance, even though it was a massive number one when it was number one, we'll see later in the top 100 uh, maybe songs that had more longevity, songs that are breaking records for most time on the chart, most weeks in the top 10. Those are some of the big records who just thanks to their you know incredible longevity of being week in, week out smash hits, that uh, will be ranked a little higher than One Sweet Day. This is not the last time we'll see Mariah or the boys. So uh, even they have songs that didn't spend as much time at number one, but still overall became sort of bigger, long-lasting hits. All right, number 37, Hope You're Ready, The Battle of New Orleans. Johnny Horton
1: bringing in the Calvary, number one in 1959. Some of these songs come up in the countdown. You have Tommy Edwards back at number 47. It's all in the game. that just sound so different, just uh, whether they're strings or it just sounds like a country song from the early days of country. So, uh, you know, there's Carly Rae Jepsen, there's Nickelback, uh, some of the newer stuff. But uh, it's a great thing about this countdown. You get this variety of just uh, songs that go back to the 50s, but uh, fun, catchy uh, song. And uh, yeah, huge hit, 1959.
3: And wrapping things up here at number 36, Tossing and Turning, Bobby Lewis. Uh, personally, one of my favorite records on this entire list. Uh, Number one hit for seven weeks back in 1961. Actually was uh, the top performing single on the Hot 100 of all of 1961. So uh, add that to your trivia collection out there. Kind of one of those crazy things too where biggest record of the year um, by a guy who, who I don't think many people would know. Really didn't have a long sustained career. He had a couple hits on the Hot 100 after Tossin and Turner which was a really big breakthrough Kind of one chance off recording that became uh, really big and inspired, you know, I think is a good number of surprise Hot 100 hits do. Uh, a sequel of sorts later called I'm Tossin' and turning Again. Uh, not quite the number one smash like its predecessor. Still one of those great records, I think, that, you know, even if Bobby Lewis as a career is not a household name, just one of the great
1: R&B records, particularly of the early 60s. I think that's the oldest song you've ever mentioned is a favorite. Usually you're in your your 2000s Beyonce era, finally
3: showing some age. Wow, Gary. Nothing wrong with some Beyonce, but uh, we can always appreciate the greats who have come before. And just like we saw with One Sweet Day, if you are a fan of 16 week number ones, then get ready because we have the other one coming up right now.
0: Darte a besos despacito firmo en las paredes de tu laberinto y a tu cuerpo todo
1: 35 through 31 on the 100 biggest Hot 100 hits of all time. 60th anniversary of the Hot 100. We're celebrating on Billboard.com and here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Uh, number 35, Adele, rolling in the deep. Seven weeks at number one in 2011. Uh, Trevor, I remember going up to uh, Columbia Records offices in, it uh, would have been uh, yeah, 2008, and uh, record guy Pete Cosenza, who's been on the podcast before, wanted to play a new artist, Adele. song was uh, Chasing Pavements. I uh, thought it was pretty good. He, he was really uh, obviously thinking this was going to be the biggest thing. And yeah, I thought it was interesting and good, but uh, it would take until the next album uh, after 1921 for Adele to hit uh, the heights that just made her a superstar ever since.
3: Yeah. I mean, amazing what Adele has been able to accomplish. I think particularly in an era where I think a lot of people may have suspected that somebody, you know, of, of her performance style, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't do a whole lot of dancing and theatrics and choreography. She just stands there and sings, I mean, a lot of ballads doesn't have too many up-tempo songs, and I think a lot of people thought that that era was gone. You know, that was out the door with Celine and Whitney and, and Mariah and Adele proving, you know, that
1: talent, at the end of the day, can always win. Speaking of Adele, I just want to play a quick clip of this song.
0: Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say,
1: That's Lauren Daigle, uh, who uh, Jim Asker just did a podcast with uh, a few weeks ago. The song is You Say. It's number one right now on the Hot Christian Songs chart. And uh, again, not to compare Lauren and Adele, uh, but similar vocal tones. And I feel like that could be a crossover pop hit. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to say now that I think that deserves uh, to be a, some kind of a pop crossover hit. And great vocal, great hook. And you know, with Adele not having any music out right now, it feels like it could kind of uh, fill that void for anyone looking for really uh, big, uh, soulful vocals like that. And I just think it's a great song.
3: Uh, the phrase with Adele not having any music out right now is unfortunately something that is much too common
1: yeah. in these days. Yeah. Number 34, Flashdance. What a feeling, Irene Cara. Uh, six weeks at number one in 1983. You know, one of the things I guess I got to love about the 80s is
3: it made this sort of lane for these pop stars to get hits who were really like soundtrack kind of artists. Like, obviously, Irene Cara had done Fame before. That was, that was a well known song, of course, of hers with Flashdance as well. Kind of Kenny Loggins in that same boat with, with with Footloose and then Danger Zone from Top Gun. It's just like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of this like weird coincidence, I guess, where, where movies and music really intersected in the 80s in a way maybe that we haven't ever seen before and may never see again, that so many number one hits became Best Original Song winners from the Oscars. Just that intersection was so big that even the artists who sang... You know, on some of these soundtracks, on multiple ones, could get, you know, multiple top 10 hits. Even if, you know, people
1: necessarily didn't know the artist themselves. So, kind of interesting. Gotta get you some uh, Loggins and Messina or Kenny Loggins albums. So, you can know he was more than just Footloose and uh, Dangerous. I'm just, that's what I'm, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, you ain't gotta Loggins Yeah. Number 33, the other record-tying. 16-week number one, Luis Fonzi, Daddy Yankee, and Justin Bieber with Despacito. So just uh, last year, and again, uh, more power Bieber. We're talking back at number 50, how uh, his tweet really helped uh, break out Call Me Maybe by uh, Carly Ridge Jepsen in 2012. And then uh, last year, he become a fan of Despacito, uh, joined on it, made it uh, another a uh, huge number one hit. And uh, like you were saying before, Trevor, about uh, how his one sweet day, uh, 16 weeks at number one, uh, number 38. Well, how was Despacito number 33 with 16 weeks at number one? How is, how is it not higher? Uh, sort of the opposite. Where, whereas once we day, uh, debuted at number one and kind of lost any weeks leading up to number one, uh, Despacito had a bunch of weeks on the chart before Bieber joined. And then once he did it shot, uh, from number 44, right into the top 10 and right up to number one. So, uh, kind of lost some points by just never having that middle ground of, uh, jumping up to the top 20 and the top 10 steadily. So, uh, kind of hurt its longevity that way, uh, chart-wise. Can't win them all. Uh, One thing it does win is the title of the most streamed song of these entire 100 songs that we're counting down, which uh, really shouldn't be that uh, surprising uh, at all. So uh, essentially, a real quick look at the most streamed songs on this countdown by decade. So uh, if we go in the current decade, the 2010s, uh, Despacito is the most streamed song uh, in the U.S., $1.65 streams and again that's just since the song came out last year uh going back to the 2000s this is a song that's uh i'll say actually coming up on the countdown we haven't gotten to it yet uh yeah by usher featuring Lil john and Ludacris, 335 million streams that's the most streamed song of the 2000s of all the songs in this top 100 Uh, going back to the 90s song we heard back at number 54 whitney houston i will always love you with 315 million u.s streams how many of those by you trump Mm, about at least good half, yeah. You're still playing your uh, your bodyguard CD. I'm still.
3: You're right. I've got I've got it vintage. Uh,
1: 1980s. Billy Jean, Michael Jackson, back at number 86 with 450 million streams all time. That's higher than I will always love you. And yeah, 1970s. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees uh, was at number 59, 244 million streams. Uh, 1960s. This song hasn't come up yet in the countdown. Hey Jude by the Beatles. Uh, you can start to see here where the numbers uh, tail off a little bit for streaming. Uh, 85 million streams, so kind of makes sense. Streaming has come along in the last uh, decade plus, so uh, 60 songs just pretty much aren't going to get uh, that many streams uh, relatively. And uh, the 50s, this one also coming up in the countdown, Mac the Knife by Bobby Darin with 24 million streams. So you know, we, we've said this before how this countdown is all based on chart performance. It's what you did when you were on the chart at the time. Uh, this list is kind of interesting of the most streamed by decade of the top 100 because it uh, points to what you did after you were on the chart and that uh, legacy afterwards. So uh, none of those are surprising that uh, they'd have that kind of long tail. I Will Always Love You, Billy Jean, staying Alive are sort of, the some ways, the defining hits of each decade. Uh, up to number 32, Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier featuring Kimbra, uh, biggest hit of 2012. That was the number one song of that year, uh, eight weeks at number one. A lot of people might think he's he's a one-hit wonder. Technically, he's not. He had uh, one other song on the Hot 100, uh, one week at number ninety-six. But if you look at his Hot 100 history, he's got two songs on the Hot 100. Uh, song was Eyes Wide Open. Should have been a bigger hit. uh, Again, one week on the Hot 100, number 96. It was May 5th, 2012. Somebody that I used to know was number one that week. So he had a long way to go. And even if he uh, went all the way up to the chart, he would have been blocked by himself. But uh, kind of Peter Gabriel kind of a sound in that song. Uh, Just uh, if you think of Gautier, you think of that one song. uh, He did have other stuff. So uh, eyes wide open. Uh, Number 31, kind of interesting too. uh, Peter Gabriel sound we're talking about. Kind of a sting sound to uh, Gautier as well. And uh, they're stinging the police at number 31 with Every Breath You Take. Also, eight weeks at number one, 1983. Uh, here's what I've always said about the song. that I feel like in some ways, this is the biggest hit of the rock era. I know we're at number 31, but you take the eight weeks at number one, 1983. You mix that with the 11 weeks at number one for Puff Daddy's version, I'll Be Missing You, in 1997. You get 19 weeks. And number one if you for the composition. So that's more than both La Despacito and One Sweet Day. So most weeks at number one, if you combine them. In, uh, in Billboard, in the magazine, we did this feature for the Top 100. Uh, our editors talked to Diane Warren, a songwriter of so many hits in the 80s and 90s. And uh, she actually said about number 31, she said, wow, if you, if you combined uh, The Police and Puff Daddy's versions, this would be the number one song of all time. I, I think she might have hacked our chart system, Trevor. If you added up the points of those two songs, it actually would be number one. So combined would be the most weeks at number one. It would also have the most points be the number one song in the of the Hellman 100's history.
3: Well, uh, shout out to Diane for knowing her chart math. So uh, always nice to know that there's chart watchers out there. And yeah, I mean, we've seen so many times uh, some of these timeless tunes be revived in a lot of ways. And of course, Puff Daddy in particular, you know, a real master of, of grabbing some of those older sounds and, and reworking them. So no surprise that, you know, they found something that works. And once again, you flip it, dust it off, you know, give it a new coat
1: of paint. Let's uh, keep going. Five more songs this week as we make our way up the countdown of the 100 biggest Hot 100 hits of all time. Here's number 30 through 26.
0: Some
3: Wrapping us up with the third installment of our four-part series, counting down the top 100 hits on the Hot 100 all-time. At number 30, you guys heard Too Close by Next. Again, I guess this is going to be the theme of today's episode. I can't quite emphasize this enough. The song spends five weeks at number one in 1998 and ends the year as the number one song on the Hot 100. That same year... Brandy and Monica have 13 weeks at number one with The Boy Is Mine. Still not enough to be the top song of the year. So uh, for that race, for the top song of the year, it really is a marathon. Week to week, you can think of it as a sprint, but there are some songs that are awarded on the weekly chart. There are some songs that are awarded on the yearly and all-time charts. So uh, kind of a, once again, fun thing about how this, this chart system works where sometimes... Some of the bigger hits, you know, instantly don't necessarily have the long tail and don't uh, finish quite as long as some of the the other hits. All right, coming to number 29, we heard him 20 spots back at number 49. We are back to Andy Gibb, this time with the song, I Just Want to Be Your Everything. Number one hit back in 1977 for Andy. Again, the second number one hit right out of the gate for him. Um, for fans of the Brothers Gibb. We've talked so much about BGS. We've seen Andy all over this countdown. Uh, we are going to uh, leave our friend Andy Gibb at this point. We still have one more song by his older brothers to get to on next week's edition. So, uh, again, just kind of crazy that not only for the Gibbs to have this many hits in their career, but to have this many just on the top 100 songs of all time just really goes to show how influential and, of course, how hugely popular the Bee Gees were. I know some people may think of them just sort of as a symbol of one era that really hasn't transcended sort of all of music history the way the Elvis and Michael Jackson and everybody did, but uh, the Bee Gees definitely one of the most influential acts of all time and certainly deserving of their
1: spots on this chart. Yeah, they faced a real backlash after a disco, which is, uh, it just, it burned so brightly, but uh, just ended so sharply uh, as the 80s came on so they didn't have any uh, big U.S. hits for a long time I remember in 1989 they came out with one and they, I, was, I was 15 I kind of you know, only knew them of disco I was like oh wait a minute, this, this one song is pretty good and it became a top 10 hit and I a few more albums in the 90s that were really good they went a little more uh, pure pop at that point some big hits in the U.K. So the U.S. kind of never fully recovered for, for Bee Gees hits uh, in the U.S. But, uh yeah, just uh, great songwriters, great pop songwriters. And, uh, yeah, over 50 years of uh, of a legacy that, uh yeah, not surprising that they'd be all over this counter.
3: And at number 28, we got Apple Bottom Jeans, Boots with the Fur. It is Low, Flow Rider featuring T-Pain, number one hit back in 2008 and also the top song of 2008. So we've got the top song in 1998 in this section, the top song 2008 in this section. We'll actually have another year in number 1 coming up as well, but Flo Rida, of course, starting off a huge decade where you, Flo is one of those people that you always you never really can count him out, you know, every every time you think maybe maybe he's winding down, he always finds that just sort of one hit That kind of rides him right back to the top 10. We've seen it time and time again. So maybe a little under the radar, but one of the more consistent hitmakers of the past decade for sure. And right above him is undoubtedly one of the biggest hitmakers of the past decade. That is Rihanna, who comes in at number 27 with the song We Found Love featuring Calvin Harris. This is kind of my hot take, Gary, but I'm curious to know your opinion. I would say probably no artist has had so many hits with so many different sounds, like Rihanna, maybe a Madonna. Of course, it helps Rihanna's had Fortune Number Ones, but they've you know they've they've crossed the range from sort of straightforward pop R and B from the songs like "Take a Bow." She's gotten so much of the dance hall with "Work," right. "Rude Boy," where they really brought in some of those island influences. But I mean, "Only Girl" sort of a you know a dancey hit, sort of a little more pop dance up tempo. We've got. I, just, I mean, I just feel like she, she really can go anywhere and none of it seems too too out of the box or too what is she doing or she's trying too hard. She just kind of flows
1: right into so many genres. And for someone who is so consistent, putting on an album almost uh, every year for uh, the beginning part of her career, uh, last album, Anti, in 2016, that was her first one since 2012. And at this point, maybe we're looking at 2019 for her next album. So uh, at this point... Slow down a little bit in terms of uh, uh, just putting out uh, nonstop albums like she did before. But again, uh, really, uh, as we said, number 10 all-time artist already on the Hot 100. Be uh, really fun to see what comes up next.
3: And to wrap us up, forever famously associated with the film Rocky Three, Sylvester Stallone needed a little something different for this installation coming into the 1980s and the guys of Survivor were right there to provide this number 1 6 weeks 1982 and really one of those songs that um is, is such an 80s staple that you know as as sort of dated as it may sound with some of the drums and some of the the sort of power balladness of it um a song that I think will live on forever in you know on on guilty pleasure iPod playlists and and karaoke bars it's just one of those songs that is just going to be an icon forever. Does it have to be a guilty
1: pleasure? You can just like it and admit it.
3: Are be you guilty? Did, woo, Gary, is this some PTSD. No, did I, people used to get on you for liking this song?
1: No, I, I got to defend the uh, 80s pop rock. Well, guilty or not, it's a pleasure for a lot of people. Yep. Uh, numbers 100 through 26 down. We've got numbers 25 through number one coming up next week on the podcast as we, again, count down the 100 biggest hits all time. And the Hot 100 60th anniversary. Uh, just some of the all-time classics coming up uh, next week. We're going to hear from uh, artists behind them, too. Lionel Richie, who was on the podcast with Trevor uh, a while back. He's going to talk about Endless Love with Diana Ross. Uh, we're going to hear from Diane Warren, who we are talking about uh, before. Writer of a uh, couple songs that are coming up in the top 25. And uh, we're also going to hear from the artist at number one with the biggest all-time Hot 100 hit. So next week, numbers 25 through number one coming up. On the Billboard Sharpie Podcast.
3: And of course, we're going to give you one last bonus cut to send you out with. Um, For this, we're going to return to number 44, which was Say, 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 Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson. As Gary also mentioned, of course, people know The Girl Is Mine, Paul McCartney, and Michael Jackson, number two Hot 100 hit off Thriller. So millions of people, of course, have heard that song. But I don't know if a lot of people know that there exists a third Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson duet. Not a single. It actually was on the same album as "Say Say Say," which is Paul McCartney's "Pipes of Peace." Uh, the song is called "The Man." Simple as that. So, uh, hopefully, for some fans out there who may not realize that, yes, Macca and Mike got together for a third time. So this is uh there a love song by Madonna and Prince, a lost album cut that was never a single. That's it. Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney. This is the man.
0: So well, ooh, there's such a man, his thoughts you'll never tell. Ooh, and it's just the way he thought it would be, because the day has come. By.